Welcome to Life Minute TV, your life, your minute on everything lifestyle. Celebrity buzz, music and movie news, fashion, beauty, home style, wellness, and more. Legendary rock group Styx has just released their 17th studio album, Crash of the Crown, and they're taking it on the road for legions of adoring fans, old and new. We were fortunate to catch up with frontman Tommy Shaw, responsible for so much of Styx's legendary sounds. This is a Life Minute with Tommy Shaw. Hi, Tommy. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Good. Great. (laughs) I'm at my home in New Jersey right now. Oh, cool. Where are you? I'm in Kettering, Ohio. In the middle of your tour, right? Yes. I'm excited. You know, this is is a whole new thing for being on tour. This didn't exist before the pandemic. So how have you been doing? How's the tour been going? It's going great. It's so nice, you know, it's so nice to be up on stage and having the kind of problems that you run into every day with rehearsals and figuring out what we're going to play and then going up and brushing up on them. And it's, it's exciting. We hadn't played this one song called Man in the Wilderness for two and a half years. And it's from the Grand Illusion album. Somebody had suggested it. And there was a song that we'd kind of gotten tired of playing on stage. I can't remember which one it was, but we said, let's swap that for Man in the Wilderness. So we spent a couple of some nervous minutes on stage let's go play it let's see if we can remember it and so we did and it came off great we really we we got it you know we 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 nailed it that's that's one of the fun things about playing live yeah what do you you love about it playing live well you got to show up and you got to you got to hit the notes you got to hit your marks and you got to communicate and it's that eight o'clock thing when you suit up at eight o'clock it's like superpowers you know you whatever was going on during the day you have to forget about it and you just have to dig down and, and and do your part and our, our music requires some gusto to, to deliver it you know because it's a lot of soulful singing and you know there's nothing kind of lightweight about it at all music's a little bit complicated in, in places especially playing the new stuff and we're, you know we have a new album called crash the crown and it was just doing really well and the fans pleasantly surprised by how well it's doing so we're doing two or three songs from that and they're new, you know, they're not, you know how when you do something new, you're having to like, it's over on this side of your brain, you know, it's not, eventually it goes to the other side of the brain where it's just like a reflex. So we're, we're going from both sides of our brains, playing the new stuff and then playing the old stuff. It's what we were meant to do. Yeah. The new stuff is really, really good. In your mind, how does it differ from the old stuff or does it? It, it really doesn't. It just is just new. You know, it didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the coolest things about what we do is we, we make something from nothing. You can do it as with with nothing more than a pencil. And Will Ivankovich, who's producer of the record and who I've, I've known since Jack Blades introduced me to him years ago. And then we went out as an act called Shaw Blades and Will joined us to help keep it together. And that's kind of what he's doing ever since. He was full of surprises. You know, he's not just a guitar player, singer, songwriter. He's, he's almost like a George Martin kind of guy because he can write string charts and he does great great impressions of Todd Zuckerman on the digital drums when we do demos. And Todd even takes his examples. And it's it's just been a rebirth having Will join. Now he's joined the band. The first time I met Will, when we started Shaw Blades, I listened to his, he has a project called um, American Drag. It's a little more progressive than, than what we do, but really creative. And the first thing I thought of, and this is 20 years ago, uh, it was 
how do I, how can I get some of that energy into what we're doing with sticks? And lo and behold, it, you know, I guess if you put something out there, there's a good chance it'll come to happen. And that's what's happened. So the, like the other night, we both live in Nashville and the bus company is in Nashville. So we were able to take the bus to the first gig instead of having to fly. So I drug a couple of acoustic guitars onto the bus and we sat there and we went through, we played like half the Shaw Blades set and I got to warm up my voice. And then we wrote something. It just didn't exist when we got on the bus. So Amazing. <laughs> it's probably like nothing to you, but amazing to the rest of the world. It's everything, you know, and, and you can tell, you can just tell when you pick up the guitar and you just start, just put your fingers somewhere or tune it differently and you, you do something and then it leads you to another thing that's like part of the conversation. It's not, it's like telling you where to go. So you're just like, all right, I'm here. And it, but that, I always have to do this because I'm, I'll never remember it. You know, there's, there's just, it just new, new music is still coming to us and hopefully it always will. It's awesome. What does inspire you to create? It's the relationship with the instrument, you know, because it's full of surprises. I like old acoustic guitars. I've got a closet full of them, you know, from the 30s, the 20s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, if you think about a guitar, especially an old one, I've got a couple of them. They're, they're called wartime guitars because they were from the mid 40s and raw materials were very scarce because all everything went to the war effort. And so those guitars, somebody had to really love them to make them, to get the materials to make them. And then they've been played a lot. So, you know, it's it's wood and steel and these different kind of woods working together and all, all having to vibrate together from one end of the guitar to the next. And now you got a person on there. I don't know who those people were but whatever they were going through it vibrated into that guitar and i know this this may sound like pine you know hippie stuff but it's true you know i personally have sat down and poured my heart into any whatever just what was happening at the second and all those vibrations went through that guitar so when i when i pick up one of those it's like this this thing is is a soul machine amazing who were some of your influences on the guitar or any other like, you know, guitarists that you just loved or still enjoy now? I was a Beatles kid, uh, so I always enjoyed how George Harrison played. I still do. You know, he, he grew as he went along and uh, I, I love his slide guitar playing. I love uh, uh, Derek Trucks. He's a big inspiration. And uh, I didn't lift anything. I just but I, I, I enjoy his style so much. There's a song called Coming Out the Other Side that I was doing my best Derek Trucks impression on the, on the slide. Very cool. Um, so what can fans expect to see at a stick show? Well, it's going to be big and loud. It's going to sound great because we have a killer audio team and, and lighting, great lighting director and operator and very interesting staging. And we try to create like an arc comes on big and then, and then it kind of settles down and then it gets big again. And sometimes we do two sets. So we'll play an hour and take a 20 minute break and come back and start all over again. And so you get two arcs like that. And we have so many songs we can create. It's like creating a story or a, or a movie where you have the songs or the scenes. And so you can take you on a little journey. You can be up, you can be thoughtful, you can just be, woohoo, you know, just good old rock song. And you hear a lot of guys singing high harmonies and it's just weird that everybody can still do it. You know, I still can't believe that I can still hit all, all those high notes. <laughs> and then there's guys, and the guys in the band can do it too. So that's always been a sticks thing is, is the three-part harmonies. But, you know, people like Lawrence Gowan, well, everybody, Todd Zuckerman on drums, he's one of the top drummers in the, in the world right now. Ricky Phillips on bass, he was, he was 
been experienced when he was with the babies and he was, you know, he's, he knows everybody. He played with Jimmy Page. And then who am I leaving out? Lawrence Gowan. He's a Canadian treasure there. He, he's been around since the 70s. He was an 80s star and he's still huge in Canada. Great entertainer. So, you know, it's a fun band to be in. You can't have a bad night in, in that band. You don't want to be the guy who's having a rough night. That's awesome. So you mentioned how you can still hit the notes. Do you attribute it to anything you do? Like, do you practice it? Do you have good living? Like, what do you do to, you look great. Like, well, you're not your like, typical rock star. It like, seems like you take care of yourself. <laughs> I, I try to. I try to take care of this. And it's hard in, when you live in Nashville because there's so it's so green and lush, especially where we live, that you, the, we have a little papillon who's almost a year old. And she has the same kind of allergy. So I'll get up in the morning and like, <laughs> so I call it a cheese pill. And we get you a little cheese pill. So I take like a quarter of a Allegra and put a cheese on it and give it to her. And so she and I are on the same wavelength with that. I don't have, I have kind of a deep voice right now. It's my normal voice. But when I live in Nashville, it goes up. And every singer who lives there goes through this. As soon as you get out of city limits and get away from all the green, it clears up and I get my high notes back. And, you know, it's, and it's a small price to pay for living there. That's so funny. I never heard that. And all the great musicians are from Nashville. That's so I know. Funny. You have to get out of town so you can have a voice. <laughs> That's it's crazy. ironic, you know. <laughs> it really is. Um, so tell us about the new album. Well, it's something that when you're a songwriter, songs are just coming when they come. You, you know, you say, hey, I'm going to write a song, and you can sit there twiddling your thumbs, and nothing happens. But then when you sit down and, and it starts to come to you, it, it's self-perpetuating. And so Will and I, before he moved to Nashville, he would come to visit. We were just, we didn't really have any projects. We were just writing because we were, you know, fun to write. And then little by little, it was like, you know, this sounds like it's starting to be a Sticks album. And, and it just progressed from that point. And then he moved to Nashville. My wife is a big real estate buff and she found him a house. And she said, we were out looking one day and she found him a rental house. And she said, not find you a house house. And so in the same neighborhood, she said, stop the car, stop the car. And there, there was a sign out front. And so now they're in their like second renovation of that house. And that, that got him into Nashville. So he was able to come to my house and uh, then he put a studio in his lower floor of his house. So we were able to just start, you know, really, we didn't really have anything going, but we just started compiling songs. And then the songs started taking on it. You know, it's like the same guys, the same thing with Lawrence Gowan that came in from Canada. He got involved. And so next thing you knew, we had all these demos, but there was this, for the mission, that was the first album we did like this. Uh, we were on a uh, cruise ship in the dressing room in the bow of the ship, and we'd just gotten these new little amplifiers, you know, the size of a loaf of bread, and they had little effects on them, like the echo, and, and you know, and I had, had the guitar, and I was playing around with the effects, and I went... did that and it's i'm never going to remember it so I, I put my phone down and recorded it so then i played it back and while i was playing it back i played i played along with myself so then it was well i'm not going to remember that either so i got my ipod out and i videotaped myself i mean i i i recorded myself with my iPad playing along with that. So I had the, the lead part and the chord part of it. And when I got home, I set it up into a session with a Pro Tools session. It was just, you know, like setting up tracks. And I played, you know, I got the tempo right. And I played those two things. And it was like, that's a song, but I don't have any lyrics. So I want to sing it, but there's not enough there to do it. So I wrote a section. 
Say goodbye to all your friends. Now a whole new life begins. As the universe's mysteries unfold. And the audience back home. Holding on bated breath. To hear the stories that are waiting to be told. So I wrote that and uh, awesome. put it all together, and then I needed verses. The thing was like, it was like, <laughs> so it was almost like a limerick. So I picked a pencil up and I wrote down, now I can say this is the day we'll be on our way on our mission to Mars. And it's like, okay, <laughs> where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? It just, it just happened. I, I had to write something. I, you know, I, I couldn't, you have words you're going to say. And so that generally worked out for me uh, over the years. So I've been, I did that and I put, did that little middle section in it. And then I put the little, you know, drum machine part there, put some keyboards on it and did a demo. And it's like, what am I going to do with this? So I sent it to Will because I knew he wouldn't laugh at me. And uh, he, he liked it and he sent me back a song that he hadn't played for anybody physically. And it was called Locomotive. And, all, and those two songs were totally different from each other, but they went perfectly together. So there we had two songs and it was evidently about a mission to Mars. So we made the whole album called The Mission. And it started with that. And if you listen to that album, go to the end of the last track on side two, and you'll hear that little that's that's the last thing you hear, which was the first thing that happens. Yeah, it's awesome. It's incredible. Well, that's the the fun thing about music is is if you're I, I guess we're obsessed with it. We just love it so much. If you let it lead you to the next thing, generally it will take you to the right place. I'm glad it did. I'm glad for us that it took you to those places. <laughs> What's your uh, one of your favorite songs ever to perform? There's a song on the mission called Red Storm. That one's that's a lot of fun because it kind of it's it's got a little bit of everything in it. I've got this red guitar that uh, has an acoustic guitar pickup on it, but it's also an electric guitar. And uh, so I can switch back and forth and you know, the song opens up with an acoustic guitar arpeggio and then the band, you know, builds up with it and then there's a middle section in where it goes all electric like a big electric guitar and my, my guitar tech switches over to the electric guitar then at the end there, there's this huge synth solo and todd Zuckerman, our drum drummer and but yet the whole band is like just throwing down just throwing down huge shoes and at the end of it it, it ends with a ping, just one note like one high note and the audiences i mean by this time todd's standing up banging on the drums and then it goes bing, just one little high high note, and everyone's like, ah. <laughs> you, can, you can hear everybody like, <gasps> it's, it's so entertaining, and it's and it's so much fun to play. I took the top of my head off the end of it. I took my hands off. That's so but cool. It's always those, it, those little tiny things that make it so neat, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's and you can hear everybody almost going. <laughs> they probably been ah, you know grunting or going yeah or making noise, and all of a sudden there's it's dead silence in the room. You know, after after having it taken away from us the way it was, uh, it's just so nice to have these you know you know problems like I got it. I need to practice you know, before we play the song tonight. You know you. The pressure's on for you to remember what you're doing and, and get over yourself when you make a mistake, you know, and it's a pretty exciting way to end the day. I bet. Yeah. So what do you like to do when you're not working? 
we're bird nerds at our house. Uh, we're ornithologists. Uh, and because where we live, there's just, if you pay attention, there's really lots of beautiful birds. And Jeannie and I just discovered that about each other, that we've, we've always been like that. And uh, lots of wildlife, lots of deer and um, squirrels and rabbits. And we have a, um, a groundhog named Harry that uh, watches us from afar. And we have a great blue heron, a couple of those who come and eat the fish out of our pond. And it's, we have to, we have lots of bluebird boxes. So we, we probably produce just by the fact that we have bluebird boxes. We have seven of them, I think, and they will have two or three clutches of eggs or like a dozen or, or nine or 12. We get a dozen birds from each box. So we're doing our part to keep the bluebird population up. And we got, I know this is exciting for people who aren't bird nerds, but we we got uh, purple martins to come. And that took, that took two years to get them to come find our bird box. Wow. Oh, that's so, neat. And we have a bat box because they eat bugs. They eat the, the purple martins and the uh, and the bats eat insects. So and, and they don't want to they, they don't want anything to do with you. So they don't get in your hair or anything. But it's it's like a busy airport. It's like Heathrow Airport for birds at our place. <laughs> oh, that's so neat. Oh, I forgot to ask you about the charity Rock to the Rescue. Tell us about that, too. Like your your daughter spearheads, right? She has her own. She's she's. If you look up Kitten Lady on Instagram, uh, she has her own nonprofit, and she's she started out with cats, and, but now she's written books and she's a New York Times bestseller. And she, her fiance is a, also a, a bestseller, but he's a cat photographer. She went from living in a little shotgun house uh, on the Maryland state line in, near D.C., where you regularly hear gunfire outside. And now she's in a, in a, like a multi-acre place in, um, in San Diego, and she's got a wildlife refuge. Well, a farm animal refuge. So she finds little pigs that are being, you know, in squalor. You know, I know they live in, in pig pens, but sometimes they, they're just left in horrible conditions. And so she has a, a little pig room, and it, it's like she's got a bunch of cats with their pigs. They're, you know... It's just amazing what she does with them. But her, her main thing is still cats. She re rehabilitates them. And she has an orphan kittens club that's a nonprofit. And she helps put people together with kittens. And you can watch them online. And a lot of times she saves kittens who would otherwise have been euthanized. And you just watch them grow. And, you know, he doesn't like little kittens. It's, she's really good with them. That's where her energy goes these days. But she, she helped us establish how we get local uh, grassroots nonprofits involved with our show. They help us sell sell CDs. We give them a chunk of the of the money from the CD, and it's usually their biggest donation of the year. It draws attention to the local charity. It's just a fun way for us to give back. At the end of the evening, if they keep their tickets stubbed, we'll have a drawing and we give away a signed an autographed electric guitar. Oh, that's so nice. It's just we just like to have fun, and it's it's nice to be able to give back like that to the community. That's so nice. Really, really nice. Did you always have that purpose, you know, like growing up? Well, I was the baby by about four years. I think I was the, they, they always say they should, they, they might've named me your what, you know, <laughs> your what? <laughs> so you're a baby and you know, when you're a baby, you're always a baby. We have a couple of, well, you're just, it's, it's your position, you know, you're, you're, you are always a baby. And Lawrence Gowan, our keyboard player, he's the, he's the eldest. So he's like the big brother, even though he's you know, 10 years younger. We do have kind of a family alliance out here. That's nice. That's really nice. Especially when you're traveling so much together, you know. What's something no one knows about you? I'm a terrible cook. 
I can make egg sandwiches. And after that, Jeannie is like, get out, just get, <laughs> just get out of the kitchen, I take the trash out. I'm, I'm really good at that. That's something. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm proud of my trash taking. But how do you take care of yourself? Like, do you eat well and exercise? And yeah, I, I exercise just, you know, if I have things around they're like little stations I can walk by and, and exercise. And I, I was working out with a trainer five days a week during the pandemic, just so I didn't lose my mind. Yeah. But once I got busy with the band again, I I, I, I didn't have all the free time. So I, I, I back to my just do things when I can. And I, I one thing I do is I take the stairs in hotels. They always work. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's something people don't really think about, but it's... No, yeah. no I... My, Recently, we were somewhere, and it was late at night, and, you know, I'd been drinking wine with, with one of the guys in the band, and it was like, we we're, were up high in this hotel, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the stairs down. Well, I, I got lost and wound up going across the street oh, and no. in the parking lot, and it's like, how do I get back to the hotel? <laughs> so, I knew, I, and I knew, I knew they had uh, closed-circuit cameras, so I said, somebody's going to come, come get me. And lo and behold, lo and behold, when I, I came back through the, the garage door, the garage entry where you usually drive in, there's a, there's a door to get back in the hotel. Oh, no. Just as I was walking in, here comes the security guard walking down. I said, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, not watching me. I'm not crazy. I'm just lost. In hotels so much that um, one thing I'll do is like, I, you can't get in the stairs from the lobby because they don't want the people exiting through the lobby if there's a fire or something like that. So you got to go up to either the mezzanine or the third floor. And so I know they're watching me on that. So I'm, I'm walking through these banquet halls and like, there it is. There's the door. So then I get in there and they, they must think I'm out of my mind. But, you know, it's a, you know, you go up 20 floors, that's a good workout. Oh yeah, for sure. So what's something you don't travel without or that you always travel with? Well, I always, always have a, a snark. This clips onto the, the end of the guitar neck and the vibrations show up on a meter and you can tune your guitar if it's in the right tune. So they tend to disappear. So I usually buy like three or four of them. That's pretty, and then others is just junk. You know, I, I got this online one time. This little thing, this is like a, a, a bona fide tourniquet. You mean like a tourniquet if you get hurt? Yes. Jeannie, she, she thinks I'm a weirdo for having this. If somebody was in trouble, this could save their life. It's weird, but... It's something to travel with, all right? Better, better to be looking at it than looking for it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I hope I never, I hope I never have to use it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you know, you're going to say like a silk pillow or something, but a tourniquet, that's much smarter. How many people do you know who carry a tourniquet with them? Not many. <laughs> but it makes I should sense. get a silk pillow. That couple of guys in the band said it's better for your hair. Yeah, and your face. It's supposed to be good for wrinkles. I've been trying not to sleep yeah. on my face because I have a bad habit and it causes wrinkles yeah. but i did order a silk pillow because it's supposed to help so yeah silk is supposed to be the best yeah okay so this is since it's life minute if you had to give us one of life's most valuable lessons or life advice what would it be listen to your mother more <laughs> all the things my mother used to tell me and i'm like oh you don't you don't you know suicide next year is going to be better and i was like you know that how do you know that and she was right it's always been better you know, and pay attention to how, you know, your favorite dish that she makes. Yeah, for sure. I am right with you there. hundred percent. We inherited my mother's recipe box 
Oh. Her pecan pie uh, yeah. recipe is in there. Her pecan pie was like, well, it was it was very famous amongst our band members. So, and my, my assistant tour manager would a lot of times be over at her house and I'd be somewhere else and he'd be sending me, hey, check this out. And you see this pie with a piece missing out of it. And he's sitting there licking his lips. And like, I should be there. That's so nice. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Montgomery, Alabama, and when I was two, we moved to Prattville, Alabama, the county just north, and then we moved back in 1965, 66, something like that, uh, when I started junior high school, we moved back to Montgomery. That's where I lived until I took off after after graduating high school and went up to Nashville. I went to Nashville, and it didn't work out, but I met another band. An agent had heard about me in Nashville and said, well, come on up, you know, putting a band together. And I thought, well, I'll be able to get to work with these veterans and and, and learn something. Well, he wanted to build a band around me. And I was like, I don't know enough. You know, so it was disappointing. But then I met a band there that I wound up going on the road with for two and a half years. Did you always know you wanted to be in music when you were little? Yes. Yeah, I, I have a picture of me somewhere sitting on the front porch, this little chubby, big-headed kid. And I remember my grandfather, he would pick get the money out of the newspaper machines and stock it with newspapers. So I always had a pocket full of nickels. So he would pay me a nickel to sing any kind of a song. And so my sister and brothers were always listening to the radio and a song that I would remember what the chorus was. And so I would sing, look, look, my heart is an open book, but I didn't, I didn't have a deep voice, you know, anything I could remember and I get a nickel. So I was basically a professional musician as a toddler. <laughs> Did your mom like, was she supportive? Yeah, because I was, I was the baby and my two older brothers were like nine and 10 years older. So they played sports and they got hurt playing football. And she wanted me to be the artist in the band, in the family because she could tell I, I, had, I was inclined to be that. So no motorcycle, no football, you know, no getting broken bones and that sort of thing. Ended that way at the time, but. But now I'm glad because the one time that I did ride a motorcycle, I realized I, I got no business on this thing. <laughs> My mind is always going somewhere else on music. And hence the tourniquet. She'd be very proud of that tourniquet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did your wife come on the road with you? She did um, initially, and that lasted about three weeks. <laughs> and then she realized, because she's, she's really busy. She, you know, she's she has properties and, and she's she's always done like like that. She rehabs houses and rents them or resells them. And she's just really, really good at it. Uh, so there was nothing for her to do out here except for, you know, people would hand her their cameras and say, would you take a picture of me and, and your husband? That didn't last very long. She likes the bus. She enjoyed traveling on the bus. What's next for you? Is there anything like you want to do that you haven't done yet or any collabs you want to do with people? Yeah, I'm looking, threatening to do something for the 38 Songwriters Festival down in, in Florida, talking about it. We've got a couple of friends who are professional musicians and entertainers and see if they feel like getting together and doing something. We're always talking about it. We should, you know, we should do something, we should do something, and then we don't. So that's come up. My manager's really good at, at wrangling people together so that would be fun to do and if we did it once we'd be able to do it go to some other festivals anything you want to tell us that we didn't cover just uh, we're going to be like i said we're going to be touring now uh and we're booked until the end of next year and there's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff 
we're going to be doing a couple of shows where we play uh, entire albums and the fans love that you know it's the newer stuff we've done we've played like some of the older a couple of older albums back to back and it's fun to do that because people know the albums and it's something to just see it blown up into a live performance do you think like the the old sticks fans who like only know the old stuff are they receptive to the new stuff too do you find or? they have been you know it's it's a really really good album and it sounds like a stick side it's the thing that we wanted to hear from reviews was this album stands up next to the equinox grand illusion and pieces of eight because those were iconic and th those were the albums where everything worked out right you know they did everything right and they they resonated with fans and still do it, it happened that's when i started doing interviews that's what they were saying this is this is you know the best thing since pieces of eight I'm not blowing smoke, uh, but I think it's better. <laughs> and, wow. Um, yeah. Blow smoke, please do. New albums. I, I love it. I love it. So congratulations for everything Thank you're doing. And yeah. my favorite old stick song was Too Much Time on My Hands. That's the really? one I love most, which you did. And, um, and the new stuff, because it's just like a little bit edgier. Um, yeah. You could hear it. You could hear it right yeah. away. It's the first time we ever did drum breaks on an album. We haven't we haven't played that song live. Uh, there, there's a song on the album that has drum breaks, and the fans love that because yeah. they love. Uh, if you go on Todd Zuckerman's, I think it's his Facebook page. He does videos where he plays along with the album. Will will send him a mix without the drums, and Todd will listen to it and play along with it. So you'll see what he's doing, and he's just phenomenal. It'll blow your mind watching him play. It's so relaxed. Yeah, I can't wait to see. I want to catch you when you come around. Good. I hope you will. I definitely will. Wow, what a such a pleasure to talk to you. Boy, I really enjoyed it. It's, it, it's you know, the interviews are not always this this much fun. It's, it's oh, really that's for sure. I, I agree. <laughs> Do know. <laughs> Thank you. What an honor and a pleasure. Stay away from the uh, stairway shafts. Watch those explorers. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Have a great, great tour, and thanks again. Thanks so much. Thank we'll see you out there on the road. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.